Denver Beer Company sold a Beer for Life NFT for $9,200 last year. He can go out next year and sell it for 15 grand and make his money back. Denver Beer Company will make a royalty off of that sale in perpetuity. You have Coachella selling lifetime passes as NFTs. One is going for $1.5 million. Starbucks is now going to be changing their loyalty rewards program to NFTs. If that's not a sign, I don't know what is, you know. <laughs> Hey everybody, you're listening to the Built on Web3 podcast, your on-ramp into the world of Web3. On this show, we chat with product leaders, builders, content creators, and business owners about how they're implementing Web3 strategies into their businesses. I hope you learned something new and enjoy today's episode. Dan, welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Thanks for having me, Sean. We're, uh, we're super excited to chat with Dan Lowe today, who is the co-founder of Metadime.io, the POS for Web3 that helps make NFTs redeemable in stores. There's a lot in there, but before we dive into Metadime, I kind of want to hear your Web3 story, and it's a two-parter. So first part is how did you first learn about Web3? When did it first come in your radar? And then secondly, what was the moment that you realized you needed to be a part of it? (laughs) That is a great question. And uh, honestly, it is not a super interesting story. (laughs) Um, But I'll say it anyway. So it was uh, my, my journey started maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Let's say two years, um, I was looking for a, a new business um, kind of venture that I wanted to dive into, had a ton of ideas, decided on one, and was researching ways to implement and execute on it, and I discovered NFTs. And like most people, immediately fell down, fell face first down the rabbit hole um, for a couple of weeks, um, and was just uh, completely encompassed by nfts the tech the possibilities all the new possibilities so i discovered and thought of you know 500 other business ideas and decided on one and it slowly evolved into metadime and what we have today awesome and was there something what was it about nfts and the technology that you were you were like i need to drop everything and be a part of this and come up with a business idea yeah uh, I think a big thing for me was the decentralized aspect of everything um, and how that would empower so many um, different, uh, you know, people in the ecosystem that are currently, you know, not being served as fully as they could and are kind of beholden to other organizations, companies, and platforms. Um, I think Web3 is really going to kind of shift the uh, that power dynamic um, in a number of different industries in a number of different ways. Um, and I just wanted to be a part of some part of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I almost see this as the like the emergence of the internet for the first time. Um, totally. I obviously was not around for that, but hearing stories, reading the books, um, this seems very analogous to that. So it's it's very, very exciting to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. What were you doing at the time? Were you in like a traditional job, like traditional career? Just give us a, a little bit of background there. Yeah, I believe I was still working um, in healthcare data migrations. Um, so we were taking data, moving data from 
uh, big legacy EHR companies um, like uh, Athena. Uh, that's really the only one that's coming to mind right now. They're one of the <laughs> Epic. Biggest, uh, Epic as well um, into uh, one of our, our partners, which is also another big EHR, but a little more advanced. Um, so traditional, um, traditional company was working remote and had, you know, the time and opportunity to pursue other things and eventually dropped that in order to, to pursue this full time. Well, yeah, give us the, the story then on, on how you came up with Metadime. Um, you're, you're in this job doing traditional data migration. What, where did you go with this Web3 idea? Yeah, it really, obviously, you know, I, I tried to take the Web3 tech concepts um, and immediately apply it to whatever was, was closest to me, um, that being healthcare. And it was not super exciting. <laughs> it was like, yes, this needs to be a thing. This will help. Um, but I'm not, you know, super passionate about this. You know, I'm not uh, completely aware of who I'm going to be helping. I think the original idea came from this concept of NFT as a service, uh, which I just, I, I thought of that and I was like, this needs to be a thing. You know, we need, it needs to be um, almost like commercialized in a way that small businesses, entrepreneurs, um, creators, things like that can uh, have a way to take advantage of this tech. Because right now, um, I mean, there are more and more solutions popping up nowadays, but without a, at least a semi-technical background, it's very hard for, you know, small businesses and entrepreneurs to, um, you know, take advantage of this technology and use it in a meaningful way for their business. Um, so NFT as a service was really the, uh, the impetus for everything. Um, and really, I just kind of kept chipping away at the fat, um, kept honing it down into, into what we have today. Um, so the grand vision is still pretty big, but we're hyper focused. So the grand vision, like you said, is the point of sale system for web three and the focus we have today in order to get there is on memberships and event tickets. Um, we think those are two extremely powerful, um, uh, pieces of the puzzle that are going to fulfill the larger vision that we can actually act on now that are easy, um, that is easy for people and businesses to, to kind of uh, realize the value of and get on board and start using it um, in a, uh, you know, in like an easy capacity where they don't have to completely switch the point of sale system immediately. That's a really big ask for people. And we don't, we're not there yet, right? The, the UX, the UI, the tech, um, at least on our side, is not there yet. Um, so that's what we're building towards. Cool. So the, the grand vision is you'll have some devices in store, a POS system, and you'll control that whole that whole flow. But you're starting okay. with um, helping small businesses sell memberships and sell tickets. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Fair enough. Um, we are helping them, uh, but our main value prop is the, the software, is the app, um, is our, our web and mobile apps. Uh, where, you know, we enable them to create, sell, uh, and add this, uh, you know, the benefit data. What does, what does the person get? How often do they get it? When can they get it? Um, and 
uh, what was the second thing? The mobile app. So, mm -hmm. they, so they can make these things, they can make these memberships, they can make the tickets, and they now have a way to scan and verify the members or event attendees to see if, okay, does this person actually own this, um, this asset? And then, okay, log a redemption for it today so they can't redeem it for another 24 hours or, um, you know, depending on whatever rules they set in place. So um, I like that you're simplifying NFTs for businesses so that they can directly use it. So, but uh, like the question I have is why now? Like, why is it so important and useful for businesses to use NFTs for tickets and memberships? And then the second part of that question too is what are some of the challenges that you're coming across? Um, like maybe even like marketing and you know, explaining it. So, which is, yeah. probably, is that's an easy answer for sure. But the, but the first yeah. one, the why now I'm really curious too. Yeah. Yeah. Why now is, a, is yeah, the challenges is, I can go on for days about the challenges. Um, all good stuff though. So, um, why now? I mean, there are a number of different, uh, reasons why I think the, uh, I mean, the tech isn't really an answer. The tech is, is, is there, it's coming along. Um, but the, what the tech enables the businesses to do, I think is really powerful, um, especially now. NFTs um, enable businesses like that, food and beverage businesses, to do a number of things. They enable them to increase the lifetime value of their existing customers. They enable them to essentially generate um, a, a ton of capital on their own terms um, you know, uh, as they as they see fit. So what they're essentially saying with the membership is, we are looking for, and you know, uh, I don't know if this is, um, I think we're still operating like a gray area of the SEC, but we are looking for X amount of money, and we will provide X service for you um, over Y amount of time. So uh, if you were to take, say, a brewery, um, they could say, hey, we will provide you a beer for a beer a day for an entire year for, you know, $500 or something where that normally would have, you know, a beer a day would cost, I don't know, seven, $800 um, or more. Um, now they, they have some control over uh, as opposed to going to like a bank or, you know, traditional financing options. Um, they can go to their customer base um, for, for help and for helping, support their business in a number of different ways. It could just be purely financial, um, but they're also, so for example, if I bought a, uh, a membership to a brewery, I'd be going there every single day. But every time I go, I know I'm getting something for free, right? So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring my date, I'm gonna bring my girlfriend, my friends, every time we go out, um, I am incentivized to go out every single day. Every time I do go, I know I'm getting something for free, so I'm going to buy a pizza, I'm going to buy some chicken wings, I'm going to buy another beer or something. So it's uh, right now, I think, a little difficult to kind of quantify the uh, kind of auxiliary benefits that having and selling memberships um, gives to businesses, apart from just the, the capital um, and immediate revenue. The challenge, so I think it's very valuable for businesses, especially now. It's, you know, it gives them this new, completely new um, channel for, for generating revenue, engaging with customers, building brand loyalty, getting your name out there. 
And um, as far as challenges, um, I think to me, the main one, one of the main ones is the insane polarization of NFTs right now. You know, if I say, hey, I'm trying, you know, they, if I say any part of NFTs and this is, you know, I want you to, to give me money, um, it's immediate, like scam, red flag in, in people's minds. You know, even if it's something completely novel and built specifically to provide, you know, the most amount of value for them, um, it is challenging to have those conversations. Um, so it, I think we are still very early. The, there still needs to be a lot of foundational education. Um, but not only that, I think we need to see better, more, I want to say wholesome, but just not purely money grabbing <laughs> tactics in a business model. Um, where you're actually trying to provide value, like practical real world value to people and businesses, as opposed to, you know, just selling art mm -hmm. for the sake, for the sake of it in general, for the sake of generating revenue. Like that to me is not a business model. Yeah. I think it's a big problem right now is everyone is in web three and crypto in general. This is all speculation, right? It's, oh, it's a new NFT project. I'm going to buy it and hope the price goes up so I can sell it in the future. And so I think until we can get past that speculation mindset and people realize that you can have utility behind these tokens is when I think is the next big unlock will be um, for NFTs. Um, and listening to you talk, it sounds like for small businesses, the the main benefits will be Basically, I can scale on my own terms and like fundraise on my own terms in a way with with your platform. Um, so if I already have customers, I can release an NFT and say, "Ooh, I want to open another location, but I don't want to borrow money from a bank. I'm going to release lifetime beer membership NFTs, raise some money, open a new location. Um, and that also brings that customer loyalty you were talking about where you bring your friends because you know you get a free free beer every night, you know, and like, why wouldn't you bring people? Um, so that's really cool. Can you kind of walk through, like, let's just say I'm a owner of a wine bar locally here, just one location. And I'm kind of, by the way, <laughs> my dream <laughs> <laughs> it will happen one day. Um, and I'm kind of like a techie. So I know what web three is. I maybe dabbled in some crypto. So I'm, I'm interested in this NFT thing. Kind of explain what that process looks like for me working with MetaDime. So we uh, are primarily a software as a service, right? We're primarily the, the tooling behind the, the memberships and tickets. So if you were to come up to us on day one with an idea or at least an intention, say, hey, we want to do this, uh, we'd say, okay, great. Um, and we would, we'd sit down and have a conversation with you and we would bring in to that conversation uh, one of our partners um, that is specific to your space, to food and beverage and wine. We have somebody that has experience with that specifically. Uh, so our partners are our agencies, their development, marketing agencies and consultants um, that this is what they do. They bring people's ideas and projects to fruition. Um, they are the people that are executing um, and designing or, you know, brainstorming, designing, having these conversations with business owners and clients um, saying, you know, what are your, what are your business goals? 
what are you trying to do? Is it, is you, are you just trying to raise money? Are you trying to build brand loyalty? Are you trying to get your brand name out there? Um, so we work with our partners um, to, to do that, to, ex to execute on your project. And once you have a, an NFT collection, um, say you were going to sell a, a collection of a thousand uh, year-long memberships. Um, we, all we would need is the smart contract address for that collection. Uh, and then we would import it into our system. You tell us what do these, what do the owners of this NFT get? Um, and you would specify there, okay, they get one, um, you know, one Merlot every day or, you know, once a week, maybe they get one, one red, one white or something. Um, and they can only redeem it twice a week and it expires on December 31st, 2022. Um, and then we import it and you are essentially ready to, to start scanning. Uh, you would just download the app. Um, you would subscribe to, to Metadyne um, and log in and, and start scanning your memberships. And what does that look like when, so I'm the owner and, or the waiter and I scan it, what, what happens? Like, what, what, what am I looking at? What am I looking for? Yeah. So, uh, in our app, um, the, the business would go to the, the scanning screen. So we'll just open up the camera, um, have some, you know, sort of scanning animation and, uh, a member or event attendee would walk up to, or be seated, you know, seated at a table and they would show you their wallet. Uh, their public wallet QR code. So in any wallet, wherever their NFT is, um, in their MetaMask, Coinbase, Alpha, Trust Wallet, whatever it may be, they all have the same feature um, of pulling up their, their public wallet address QR code. So they show you the QR code, you use our app to scan it, and then it'll pull up whichever NFTs they own for your business. They could own one or multiple. If they don't have any, then it'll just return an error saying this person doesn't own anything. Um, if they own three, you'll see a list of three uh, that you can redeem. And from there, you have the choice to immediately just click the redeem button, log a redemption for this specific NFT, or you can go in and see more, NF see more uh, details uh, like uh, the terms and conditions, benefits, rules, and stuff like that. So Tickets, memberships, this stuff. Um, you talked about why now. Uh, hopefully, this. I, I promise I'm not like an NFT hater or anything like that. I'm a big fan of Web3. But, like, why to help explain to like businesses, why like can't you do this without an NFT? Like, why is an NFT so valuable and so important here? Like, what does that allow you to do differently than? I don't know the, yeah. uh, the other ways that you can do the yeah, same thing, a, you know, memberships or tickets. It's a great question. Um, I think first of all, the, the liquidity aspect um, goes a little overlooked, um, not in post, but pre-purchase. So if I am going into, if I'm, you know, looking for a, a, membership, a gym membership or something um, and you know, they're all roughly the same price and I'm say I'm like a transient um person, you know, I, I don't know if it's a good way to describe it, but let's say I move around a lot. Right. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to be in town for a month or, you know, six months or a year. Uh, so 
when before I purchase this this thing, I would like to know what are my options for getting out of it. Um, am I do you do you prorate the amount? Do I get a you know do I get any sort of refund or recourse if I you know decide to leave town? And I don't want to be kept um, you know uh, I don't want to be for lack of a better word chained here um, just because I have a, a gym membership. So the the liquidity aspect I think would enable uh, one more purchases of you know these high value assets because you're selling them for you know upwards of a couple hundred dollars to a couple thousand dollars depending on what business uh, what benefit you get how long the benefits last. Um, so for example, uh, Denver Beer Company sold a beer for life NFT for ninety two hundred dollars last year. So the gentleman that bought it, um, one, was a regular at the business, and two, was heavily into crypto. So he knew, he knew what was going on. He knew like, what this was, and um, sure, he, he loves beer. He loves every beer co. That, that was clear from the get-go, but um, he also knew that this thing has the... Uh, ability to one appreciate and value and two i can capture some of that value in the, into the future so he can go out next year and sell it for 15 grand make his money back and you know denver Brook, their denver beer company will make a royalty off of that sale uh in perpetuity but that you know that's assuming um or rather if it if that wasn't an nft you would be I think uh, he would have been a little more, say, skeptical or hesitant to make that purchase if he had no, you know, liquidity or, or option to sell it, um, albeit on a on a private or public market. So, um, so that's one thing. So that so that's cool. So you're basically instead of almost making it the businesses or the vendors' problem as to be like, hey, now you, I want to return this, I need to prorate this, like this is could be a one-way transaction from the brewery or Sean's wine bar to the, the patron, to the customer. And yep. then the customer, if they want to do whatever they want to it, they can do whatever they want to it. But um, the business doesn't have to deal with it and they make money actually, like more money off of each subsequent transaction thereafter. Exactly. Cool. And that it, um, those kind of emergent characteristics of the secondary market um, are even more prominent the longer the lifetime of that asset. So for, for the lifetime, you know, the beer for life, the X for life type of memberships or assets, um, those things are, you know, very, very um, obvious and powerful um, characteristics. Are there, are there any use cases like that that you're seeing um, that get you really excited? Like, are there any like really interesting uses for small businesses using NFTs that are uh, kind of unexpected? To me, Denver Beer Company's example is is one of the coolest because uh, mm -hmm. you know they made nine grand off of one person. In a yeah, day. it's so cool. <laughs> the and the uh, the obligation they had to them was you know fifty cents worth of, of uh, beer pours you know for that day. Um, so, I mean, you have Coachella selling lifetime passes, um, as NFTs, one is going now, I think for, 
uh, 1.5 million dollars. Oh wow! Um, Starbucks is now going to be selling their, uh, or not selling, but uh, changing their loyalty or rewards program to NFTs. Mm. Which, like, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. You know. <laughs> yep. Um, so, what else have I seen? I've seen, you know, other other breweries selling access. Um, or selling access and also at the same time funding a new barrel or a new brew um, using NFTs where the only way to get access to it is to own this NFT um, where you get, you know, pours in store or you get some cases of the, um, of this very special brew um, access to events and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really blanking on <laughs> the rest of the use cases. I yeah, don't want to make it seem like um, I'm hyper-focused on, on beer and stuff yeah. like that. It's a cool, it happens to be a cool use case. And I'm also in Denver, Colorado. So there's a, a ton a lot of, of beers here that are excited about it. A lot of beer here. And the crypto people like beer. That's where the meetup yes. is. Are you going on the Thursday? I'll be there. <laughs> yes, uh, I'll be there every Thursday. And it, it just so happens, you know, where we are at that um, Denver, I think, is one of those very unique kind of intersections of, um, you know, culture and crypto. Um, so that's where you're, you're really, we're really seeing those um, unique use cases spawn out of is where those things kind of intersect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I moved here like a year and a half ago to Denver, and I, I've, I'm, I'm honestly surprised how like robust the crypto community is. Um, I didn't really realize that Denver would be a hotspot for crypto. But I think ETH Denver is like the largest ETH conference, I think, one of them, if not the largest in the world, uh, which is nuts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to say so. It was, um, uh, yeah, being there earlier, was it earlier this year? Yeah, February. Mm -hmm. um, an experience like no other. I, it was just incredible the amount of connections, experiences, um, ideas. Mm -hmm. Man, so like the energy, the amount of you know intellectual energy there was just out of this world. It was so inspiring and so like you just you're there and everybody you know is is trying something new, is is open to new things. Um, so nice. So it was just, it was a great, it was a great environment. I love yeah. It. I, I was, I'm kicking myself cause I missed it, but Thomas and I are gonna, are gonna be at the one in uh, 2023 in February, oh, yeah. but I'm going to my first crypto conference in like two weeks and I'm pumped. I'm going to SmartCon in New York city. Nice. Uh, it's Chainlink's conference. So I'm really excited yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm unfortunately going to miss that one. So you're going to have to tell me how it goes. Oh yeah. We'll do a recap or something. <laughs> so in terms of running a web three company, I don't know if there's a term yet for traditional SaaS. Is that called trad SaaS in the Web3 world? <laughs> <Eventually, laughs> usually, soon it's like trad everything is the traditional. Yeah. Um, are there any metrics that you're tracking that specifically relate to Web3? Or are you tracking all the same SaaS metrics like churn and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah same SaaS metrics for sure um, across the board. But... There are a lot of uh, kind of secondary or auxiliary metrics that we are tracking, like user behavior um, within um, each kind of little ecosystem uh, where, you know, you have members act a, you know, exhibit more of a certain behavior uh, than members in a different kind of group or different business or something. So that's kind of, you know, they're not all just spread out and act the same. 
Um, so, so that's kind of interesting to, to see the, um, as well as the uh, secondary sale behavior. Um, how often are people selling? What are they selling for? Are they making money? Or are they losing money? Um, apart from that, yeah, I, I'm just kind of, I, <laughs> I like to make it as honestly, as like traditional SaaS as, <laughs> as possible. Um, just cause I think that is what works the best. Um, you know, it's, it's scalable, keep costs low. Um, so yeah, there's not honestly a whole lot of uh, web three specific, uh, metrics or operational stuff that, that we do on our end. When you're talking about data, um, so I think one of the, is it, so we talked about like how NFTs do, like you can still have memberships, you can have tickets, like the, the trad way, I guess the traditional <laughs> way. Um, but NFTs give you so much more access and you talked about money being like, they directly pay you now. Like when you buy an NFT from a company, like you directly have access to it. It's not like a credit card swipe because that goes through someone, then they release it to you three or seven days later. Um, it's almost, it's almost like cash, except it's already in your bank account. Yep. The, the other pieces when we're talking about metrics and data, what sort of metrics do you think this is going to unlock when you're talking about memberships and ticket usage? Like will businesses have as, like access to this other data? Like where those wallets are being used elsewhere? What are their spending? Oh, yeah. Like what, what type of metrics will you as Metadime have? And then what? metrics and data will your, your customers your vendors will have yeah that's a that's a good question honestly we haven't thought about that all that much um i do think there's going to be a ton more um say layers or overlays that you can kind of uh, put onto etherscan or you know other other solutions where you're able to find all of that uh there's there's a uh, there's a word for it it's not like emergent behavior, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll essentially enable um, in the future businesses to be able to hyper-target people. Um, so right now, um, as a business, you can import your own NFT collection, sure, but you can also you know, import a, an existing NFT collection that is not yours, say the Board Ape Yacht Club. Um, so you can say, hey, if uh, Sean, you own a wine bar, you can say, Hey, if you own a board ape, uh, if you own a board ape, come into my wine bar, and I'll, you know, you'll get fifty percent off um, your your entire order, or you'll get a free uh, a free pour or something. Why would you want to do that? Why do you want somebody that you know owns a you know a forty thousand dollar plus asset coming in your store because they probably have some disposable income, um, or you can even get hyper specific on uh, on really anything, if they own an NFT that um, is, you know, potentially means a certain thing, uh, like um, I don't know, has some cultural or societal or environmental um, affiliation, uh, you can show support for those people and those and those projects by mm. by doing that. Um, I not even sure if I'm answering your question right now. I completely forgot what the question was. Can you remind me, please? <laughs> it, it was around like what data does like 
do NFTs unlock for both right. you, MetaDime, and for your vendors? Yeah. Right. There is a lot more. Um, rather, I'm, I'm not even sure if it's going to be a lot more um, considering we have, uh, you know, the advertising industry is so big. But I think all of that behavior data, you know, the use, the user and behavior data that we are already generating as consumers and buyers of products, um, that's just invisible to us right now. You know, we don't see it. Facebook sees it. Instagram sees it. Google sees it. We don't see it. Um, so I think uh, Web3 is going to um, at least enable access uh, or more democratize access to that data make it a little, little easier for people and businesses to access and start making actionable decisions on, um, as opposed to just the, the owners, um, of the data, like Facebook and Google like the Googles, stuff. Facebooks, all those yeah. big guys. Yeah. Yeah. So there will a hundred percent be, be more data. Um, but the data that we are already generating will be easier and more actionable, I think for people. Something you said in there sparked a funny idea. So you said you can bring in someone else's NFT collection. So if it's Sean's wine shop and Thomas's wine shop, I could theoretically bring in Thomas's wine shop NFT collection and say, if you own his NFTs, I'll give you a free drink. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> I love that. That is yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah the, um, I think the, the trick there is knowing how to market that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, without like looking like a total asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in theory, it's it's definitely possible. Interesting. On that idea of of you know like hey, if you have this NFT or that, and you know tickets, I think you mentioned this in one of uh, like your other podcasts or interviews, um, like ski passes, and that being but but see, ski passes aren't like so. Explain this ski pass identified with a person like i know you have an image and it's like hey like only you can use this if it's an nft now you kind of de-identified so the picture the kind of name is no longer there how how would like an nft like work there and that like special edge case you know or how can i prove that hey like i i really am a part of sean's wine bar and i really want to get you know this yeah so yeah that's uh, that's a good one. I think there there comes a point where the business logic um, <laughs> makes more sense than the tech does. Um, so ski passes, uh, I think, would be are definitely a a niche use case. I think it'd be up to the resort to determine whether the you know behavioral or secondary market effects of an, of making them NFTs are worth the potential. Um, complications of uh, you know a little more lax identification measure um, yeah because you could uh, even if it was you know if you had the private keys to the wallet on your phone and had to sign a transaction you could just give your phone to somebody um, or the uh, here's another idea the resorts could use some sort of uh, decentralized identifier like a, uh, I think it's called Bright ID. There's a, a few of them out there. I don't know which one's going to be, um, you know, the the staple. Um, but they could rely on a source like that, where they don't have to see your uh, actual private sensitive data, but they can trust 
that it is actually, you know, this is actually you, you actually own this, um, you know, your name is actually Daniel without having to see it on a card. Um, so I think a decentralized um, identification method could solve that pretty easily. Are you guys relying on signing transactions um, through your private key or is it just through a QR code right now that you show of your wallet address and then hopefully, you know, there's all these decentralized identifiers being built right now. Hopefully that kind of comes to fruition and you can utilize one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So right now we are not relying on, we're not having, um, you know, you as the user or member sign a transaction and prove that you own this wallet at okay. the time of scanning. Um, that is at least in my eyes, not, I don't know, not the best, um, user potential leads to not the best user experience. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if there are internet con connectivity issues or for whatever reason, there's, you know, there's so many moving parts there. So yeah, we, um, right now it's more of a, a centralized verification method, um, to provide that good user experience. Um, I am a firm believer that that is what is going to lead, you know, a good user experience is what's going to lead to, to mass adoption. Um, if we are kind of just in our bubbles, assuming that people are going to put up with this um, for the sake of decentralization, like most people do not care. They don't care about decentralization. They don't care about owning their things. Um, all they care about is, can I get into this concert? Can I, can I buy this membership? Oh, and by the way, I can also, I can also sell it or trade it or lease it. Um, and I get royalties or, you know, whatever the features are. So, um, yeah, we, we decided to go that way to facilitate a better user experience. Got it. And when someone redeems, is that redemption logged on chain or I guess, where is the line of Metadime, um, servers and backend and blockchain? Um, no, those transactions are not recording on chain right now. Um, they will be, I don't know what, uh, what route we're going to go in order to do that. If it's going to be on our own chain or on a layer two, um, how are people going to interact and see that data? Um, haven't, haven't made a decision on that yet. Um, but right now we are, we store all of the benefit data rules, terms, conditions, as well as all the redemption data. Cool. And then how much do you end up knowing about, the actual end user and customer? Is it just a, wall, a wallet address and you're able to see the wallet contents, I guess, if you wanted to? Well, we wouldn't be able to see the wallet contents unless they, unless there's a business that specifies a smart contract address that that, uh, that user or member also uh, coincides with and owns one of those token IDs. Uh, so yeah, we don't know anything but the wallet address and behavioral data. Because advertisers and marketers ruin everything, right? So it'll be interesting to see how marketers and advertisers figure out what we, what they can grab, you know, from wallet, right. wallet addresses and how they can target us and right. um, and how ads will work in Web three. It's it'll be interesting. I think that's like uh, Dan, what you were talking about those like extra identifiers. Um, I think that was like hinting towards that zero knowledge stuff that Sean, yeah. you and I have been talking about. Um, that's maybe part of that key because at the same time like you yeah like web3 is really confusing because there's <laughs> this like layer of transparency but now you 
you're, you're trying to be more private, but now everything is public at the same time. But you're like, well, yeah. no, I actually don't want to be advertised more so like to now. Yeah. So how do you how do you do that without? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's really line. interesting. Definitely a fine line. Yeah, uh, we we're kind of operating under, under the assumptions that the tech will get there. Um, and, and, you know, a num all the decisions, not all of them, but 90% of the decisions that we make, we're like, okay, you know, this is going to be a thing. This is how things will, they don't necessarily work like this now, but they're going to in the near future. The tech will be there. It's going to get better. Wallets are going to, you know, have NFC um, scanning capabilities right now. They don't. Um, I think that's near to come. I think NFT, um, NFTs will have an NFC function or rather wallets will be able to communicate NFT data via NFC. Um, and I think that's going to be really exciting. Um, <laughs> you know, those are the kinds of things that uh, influence our decisions. That's where I think everything's going. Yeah. Talk to us a bit about that. Um, Cause that really interests Thomas and I too. I actually just bought some NFC tags to start playing with this idea. Yeah. Oh, um, Sean, I did no, too. Nice. I got a bunch. Amazon. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. I, I actually put one on my circles. I put one on my notebook and I've been playing with the Siri shortcuts so you can like scan yeah, an NFC yeah. tag and then just like have your iPhone do whatever you want. So it like yeah. opens a app and like plays music on my home pod and like it's just kind of fun. Um, yeah. but I got them with the intention of experimenting with NFTs. Um, what about that excites you? Like what what does that unlock um for you and for I guess the world in general? Dude, I um, I love NFC stuff. I love playing around with it. There's so much you can do, and the um, to me, the the best part about it is the user experience, right? It's like a magical experience, um, being able to, um, either you holding your phone or another device, and you just tap your phone on the on the payment terminal, and you get that nice you know little da da ding that your your payment. Uh, went through and it's even more secure than a than a chip and everything. Um, so yeah, there there's a ton of things with with NFC that um, that excite me. Uh, one of my first, um, you know, prior to getting where we are today, uh, one of my first ideas was doing uh, NFC NFT cards. Um, so I you know I, I bought a bunch of these tags. Also, I had you know this as an NFT. Um, Kong, I think, is doing a really good job of this, uh, of you know, creating more like uh, secure NFC tags, tamper-proof tags. Um, I just, I think it's going to enable a whole new level of uh, amazing user experience. That's that's the, mm -hmm. the gist of it. Did you say um, NFC cart or card? Cards, yeah, like cards. Cards. I see. And, and specifically, what, what do you mean by that? So like the way I kind of envisioned it or, you know, I built like a really quick kind of MVP for this was a um, to kind of get around the, the mobile wallet um, challenge with the mass population. I thought businesses selling NFC cards that are that contain an NFT would be an easier on-ramping process for them and their buyers. Um, so I had NFT cards that corresponded to specific NFTs um, and using our app, you can just uh, scan the card 
and it would pull up you know the same information oh this is this nft you see the image that it sounds very simple and like whatever but actually going through it and experiencing that especially after creating it like that was a lot of fun and that was really cool for me to see so i would really like to see that um in the in the mass market you know i want to see people doing that uh scanning their uh, their thing on Starbucks or at a crema coffee shop and then maybe like a, a cool image of their NFT popping up. Yeah. You know, it, it works, you know, I'm part of this club. Um, yeah, that's really exciting for me. Totally. Um, so just to clarify and then I'll let you go, Thomas. So the, so the, basically me as a customer, I walk into the wine shop and I want to purchase lifetime wine membership, my literal dream. And they <laughs> hand, they hand me a card. Um, that's made of gold or whatever <laughs> with an NFC tag in it. Yeah. And this card, all it is, is it represents some NFT that I own on chain. Right. Yep. And that, and that's what I use for the, the store to scan and say, Oh, this is his. Yeah. Okay. And that's still technically possible now, but, um, I don't think we were equipped, uh, enough back then. Uh, now we probably are to make those, uh, to make them secure. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, cause it, it was, it was a very kind of like low tech solution at the time. Yeah. Cause um, you could like read data from NFCs and just copy them. But yeah, now I was looking at this too. There's ways to, to stop that, I guess. There's way, there's ways to get around it. Yeah. Um, uh, or rather there's ways to make it more secure. Even if you have a super secure chip, uh, chip, you can make it, you know, non, uh, like that you only write to it once. And if you try to rewrite it, uh, you know, it won't, it won't let you, um, there's a, a few different things you can do, but, um, yeah, I would, I, I can't wait to, you know, finish building, uh, building all of this so I can get back into NFC. Cause I think that's like the coolest stuff. Well, uh, so that was where I was actually going to go was like, well, can't you, can't you read? from these uh nfcs uh and, and then like see the data and then try to rewrite that to something else or even what metadime does right now with the qr codes can't i just like screenshot and, and then like share it and like would would that work too or how do you how do you prevent the way the way it worked was um the the tag was encrypted so you could read the encrypted message but you don't know you don't know what to do with that you don't know what that means um, it doesn't say, you know, it doesn't display all the NFT data. It's just like an encrypted hash. And then that hash is then, uh, and then we ingest that. And um, and, and the uh, Metadime has the decryption key. The yes. Gotcha. Um, and is that like a unique hash every single time or, okay. Well, every, every time a card is generated, it'd be a unique hash. So each hash would correspond to, to an NFT. Gotcha. So if Sean has... Sean's wine bar lifetime pass. Um, is that QR code like the same QR code every single time he goes into the wine shop or is it generated anew every single time he goes? So to just to clarify, this whole card thing is mm -hmm. we scrapped it. We're not doing it anymore. Ah, okay. <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, just because, uh, I mean, there, there are a few reasons why, um, but we're going to get back into it soon. So the QR so to, to answer your question about the QR codes, um, the QR codes are generated. They're not randomly generated. It's a uniquely it's a unique identifier for your public wallet. Um, so in theory, um, 
you know, there is a, a risk for, for fraud and, you know, scamming the system. But an easy way to get around that is, hey, let me see you log into your MetaMask. Let me see you do the, you know, biometrics. Um, have, you know, my wallet set up like that. So um, that's, to me, an easy way to get around it. Um, but uh, we will eventually, I think, find a way to have the best of both worlds with the dynamic verification and signing transactions. That's not a, uh, you know, a pain in the butt for users. Um, but uh, yeah. And I, yeah, I think that's a totally fine way to do it, right? Because if, if you, if you don't assume the tech's going to get there, then like you'll never start your company and you're never, you're, you'll never start building things. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people don't. So it's really cool that, like you're just like we're you know, we're just gonna build this, and we we're, we have to assume that somebody will figure this stuff out because literally Web three <laughs> yeah, is being and built every day. It's not to say day. we're it's not to say we're relying on everybody else to fix our problems, um, but because uh, we are you know building our, our own solutions and, and products and totally. Uh, but apart these are from problems software. everybody has too. It's not yeah. just yes. it's not exactly. just you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think um, I mean our product works now it works well it's fast easy super easy to use so uh it's just you know i guess making it um faster more secure and more viable for mass adoption mm -hmm. yeah and you, you hit the nail on the head right like easy ui is is the key for people getting on ramped into web3 it's it really it's is. it's the number one inhibitor right now and um, better UIs is, is what we need. So yes. that's good. Um, if you could look into a crystal ball and, and fast forward five years, what is a successful world look like where Metadime just totally worked and everything was successful beyond what you can imagine? Like, what does that world look like? Uh, I think we'll have uh, easier, better... Uh, point of sale systems that enable a lot of really cool use cases for businesses. So I think the the way small to medium sized businesses do business nowadays um, is going to change in the future, 100%. Um, they're going to, you know, you're going to be more engaged uh, with with the businesses that you uh, interact with. It's going to be easier to interact with them. Um, where you don't need to, you know, you know, give your email and phone number every time you want to enter a new rewards program. There are all these disparate solutions. Um, you know, you can start to interact with these things in a more almost a centralized way, but in a more cohesive way <laughs> where it's, it's going to be completely decentralized, but it's going to feel better. You know, um, whereas now they are kind of centralized systems, but they're all siloed. You know, none, none of the business talk to each other. Um, so I think the user experiences for both businesses and consumers is going to change, get better, faster, um, and they'll have a ton of new ways to, to buy things, do business, um, earn rewards, loyal, uh, loyalty, and, and all that stuff. I, I think uh, what you said like business being able to businesses being able to talk to each other and then like consumers being able to talk to each other too in a totally different medium they've never yeah. been able to before and this is backtracking and also kind of off topic but uh, when we were talking about nfc's um 
I was thinking to myself of, you know, that like ease of use, just overall experience. I wonder if the first applicable version of like implanted chips or anything is going to be NFC based um, to unlock different things. Cause that would be, I was just thinking to myself, it'd probably be mega painful, but um, like if you had something like in your you know, fingertips and you were just able to swipe on something, but only you had that key, it wasn't a fingerprint, it wasn't that, like what, what that could be. So maybe, I think that's my prediction on the fly that like a <laughs> hey, first, first like mass, like bio kind of chip thing is going to be something NFC. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I may be in web three, but. I, I'm not sure about that stuff yet. <laughs> um, maybe I'm maybe I'm still too traditional. I don't know, <laughs> but it, it just it's it scares me a little maybe, bit. Maybe it'll be a sticker, um, you know. But I'm very traditional too. But it it would be yeah. nice to open the garage without me having to do stuff. Um, did Did you see the person that implanted um, their Tesla key into their into their hand? They they spent like 500 bucks to get their Tesla key implanted in their hand so they oh. could start their car. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Not bad. Not bad. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah, I I do think we're going to see more, um, say, augmentation, more biological, you know, uh, technological augmentation going on. Um, We'll see some uh, unhealthy (laughs) use cases, and then we'll see some actually, okay, this is, you know, this works. Um, It's safe, and the, uh, the benefit uh, cost ratio actually makes sense. Um, I don't know what those uh, what those use cases are, um, but I will say I think glasses will be the next phones. Um, I think we we've seen, you know, Magic Leap and um, a number of other companies uh, kind of hit it too early, but I think their their vision is on point. I mean, yeah, if Zuck is spending ten billion a year on on VR, so. Uh, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Whether we <laughs> like it or not, that's that's in my eyes, that's that's the only way things are going to go is glasses. Google Google Glasses, right? Or what was it? Google Do you remember we, when we lived in San Francisco and Google Google Glasses were a thing, and they were called yes. glass holes? Yeah. And I, I I remember this so clearly. Thomas and I were at this networking event, and there's this dude in front of us who had Google Glasses on. Yep. And he literally every time. He, every like five minutes he'd sit up and he'd like take a picture and then he'd like sit back down and it was just we were just like dying behind him watching this happen <laughs> he's a he's a trendsetter man early adopter <laughs> he's an early adopter you can't hate the early adopters <laughs> well Ray, Ray-Ban Ray-Ban came out with those glasses recently i think or i saw ads yeah. for it somewhere yeah and i think uh was it lenovo some other l name brand Mm. Yeah. Yeah. well dan if uh if uh, any of the listeners want to find out more about you or metadime uh where can they go uh metadime.io so it's a mix of metaverse and paradigm um m-e-t-a-d-i-g-m.io uh and my you know contact information and everything is all there great well thanks again for being on the show this is a lot of fun thank you guys